another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Let's do this thing. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. Somebody turn in their Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Jillian and I have just got back from America, praise God. Somebody get me a water. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. I love this verse. I'm so excited to preach to you tonight. So excited. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. The Bible's quite candid, isn't it? Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. That's kind of rude. (laughs) Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. The final night of our Faithcation series that God doesn't want you and I to take our faith and have a vacation from it. But God wants us in our lives to live a life of faith. Faith is what makes us God's people. Love is our character, but faith is our distinction. The reason why we are awakened to a life of love, love that comes from the God of love, is because of the fact that we've been awakened to that God through faith. Faith is what brings God's promises to bear in our lives. Faith is what accesses heaven. Faith is what enters the miraculous. And here we find in this incredible passage of Scripture, speaking about our father in the faith, Abraham himself. It says, without weakening him in his faith, Abraham faced the facts. It says in verse 18, that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Here's my question for you, church. How can you be against all hope and be in hope at the same time? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. So we can't just put this down to a little conundrum because the Bible tells us that because of what He did with this Word that is called hope in our Bible, He determined the person that He became. So who you and I are going to become in life is gonna come from what we do with this thing called hope. And the Bible says that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Who you are going to become in your life is not going to come primarily from the amount of money you have in your bank account right now. It's not going to come from the education that you have, from the ethnicity that you were born into. It's not going to come from the school that you're in or even the house that you live in. Who's going to determine who you become in life is what you do in the arena of faith and hope. And the Bible tells us that against all hope, Abraham in believed. This word hope in the Greek literally means expectation or outlook. Against all expectation, 
Abraham in expectation believed. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he was not weakened in his faith, but gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He has promised. It's about our expectations, church. If we're gonna live a life of faith, then what must be present in our life is the presence of the right kind of expectations. The Bible says against all expectation, Abraham in expectation believed. You know, what's going on in the arena of our expectations is so very powerful in our lives. There are some things that I just naturally drift towards a negative expectation in. The number one would be open water. Not being in the water, I'm fine with being in the water, but if you get me away from land, a long distance from land, something just begins to trigger in my mind. You're saying, where does it come from? Oh, what's my pastor doing with a lot of unbelief in his life? Well, I'm here to tell you that when I was a child, I was traumatized. Not because of the parents that I was given. My mother's here sitting in the Christchurch congregation. She's basically saying, I'm going to traumatize you again after this. But when I was a teenager, I decided I would learn to surf. They shouldn't call it surfing for me. They should just call it paddling. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Three people, thanks for that. Lots of love. Thanks for the empathy. Maybe you're smart enough not to try it down here. But anyway, I'd, you know, I'd paddle out there into the surf. And of course, we lived in Auckland, close to the West Coast, which is basically like paddling out in the West Coast. is like voluntary killing yourself. It's stupid. It's like, you know, point break every weekend. And I started surfing with guys who were a lot older than me. So that I'd be like, you know, how do, I, how do I do this thing? And they'd be like, oh, just paddle out the back, mate. You'll figure it out. You will not figure it out. You will surely die. I can't tell you the number of times I've paddled out the back and tried to figure it out. And in the end, just end up underneath the water, can't find the air at the top. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One time I went paddling out and, you know, the boys were like, well, the best break is just round, you know, I mean, what the heck? So I end up going round the point. There's a big island out there. Hello. The big waves are starting from there, but that's not what's happening for me. I'm not starting on the wave. I'm just getting smashed into the rocks. I mean, it was just like one disaster after another. Then, of course, I had a friend who had a boat and, you know, took me out in the open water on his boat. The only problem was it was a cowrie speedboat made by his dad 25 years earlier. And we kind of go flying across the Auckland Harbour, come into Princess Wharf, had a packet of chips. This is a true story. I'm not even preaching. Got back in the little cowrie speedboat went back to where we'd come from and halfway along the, the, the wind had picked up. So now we're not just cruising across this gentle water. We're just, we're just kind of like, you know, hitting waves the whole time in this tiny little speedboat. It's about just a bit longer than a person, only about this deep. It went a million miles an hour, but now rather than going across beautiful calm water, we're hitting the tops of waves. So it's like, bam, 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 bam. I'm getting thrown around. I'm in pain. And, you know, we're flying across the tops of these waves. Bam, 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 bam. Then suddenly it became, bam, bam, bam. And we slow right down. I turn around and I kid you not, there is a hole about this big in the bottom of the boat and water is coming up like one of those cartoons. 
My friend says to me, this is literally verbatim quote. He says, ah, we're going down. <laughs> like, what the heck? This cannot happen to me. What are you talking about? We're not going down. We, we can't go down, but we did go down. Traumatic moments like that. When Gillian and I got married, we, we were at Club Med in Numea and we were, went out to this island to have a relaxing snorkel, not knowing that Numea was in the middle of cyclone season. True story. So we're coming back. You know, we, we, we're on the island, sorry, and we're all in the water and suddenly all the Club Med staff are like, you've got to get in the boat. We've got to leave. We've got to go back to the island. I'm like, why? And they're like, then I look over here and there was all these black clouds making their way towards where we are. So I get back in the catamaran that's gonna take us back, not realizing it's not really a catamaran. It's just a barge dressed up as a catamaran. I'm expecting them to open the sucker out, but it doesn't have an open out. It only does like 10 knots. So the storm's rolling in. Next thing you know, the waves are picking up. We are literally going up and down waves like this on this catamaran. So for me, whenever I get near open water, I have to control these expectations. Does anyone have some area of their life like that? But then there are other areas in my life. Like for instance, when I'm gonna go wakeboarding or snowboarding, it's too infrequent. But whenever I do get that privilege, the night before, I'll have trouble sleeping. I mean, and it's kind of got to the point where a, a really enjoyable ride on my bike is getting like that for me now. And the night before, it's like there's no stress in my life, no fear, no panic, but just so excited about the day that is coming tomorrow that I'll wake up every hour going, is it dawn yet? Because that's when the best thing, you know, can we get in the car? We're gonna get to the top, get that first ray, you know, that first powder as we're coming down the mountain. Is it time to get on that bike and put Ben Kendra in the hurt box for all the hatred he's been giving me on Twitter? Is it time to make him vomit going up that trail to Akaroa tomorrow? <laughs> some yeses, some noes. This congregation is divided against itself. It cannot stand. There's definitely more yeas than nays. I'm telling you, it's gonna have to happen. The masses have voted. But you know, that kind of expectation is not a negative type of one. It's one that you fill with that sense of, man, something good is just around the corner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move forward. And in our lives, we're either living out of one set of expectations, chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Or we're living with that sense that man, something great is just around the corner. I can't sleep, but it's because I'm so filled with a sense of wonder, jubilation. And the Bible tells us about Abraham that the reason why he became the man that he became was because in the arena of his expectations, he chose not to see the negative stuff that's getting thrown at us every moment that you're awake, but he chose instead to believe in what God was saying in his heart. And church, God doesn't want you and I in the arena of our expectations to be negative people. He doesn't want us to be filled with that view that everything's gonna fall apart tomorrow. He wants you and I to be alive with a sense that if Jesus is on the throne, if His promise has come to us, then something good is just around the corner. 
How amazing is our Bible? Yeah, give God some praise in Hamilton, in Wellington. Come on. I mean, if God is on the throne, the Bible says even in darkness, light shines for the upright. That even in death, there is resurrection power. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? Every sickness can be healed. Every difficult situation you can make your way out of. Every temptation you're facing, God made a way through it already. Thanks be to God, we are being led in triumphal procession in Christ. But that triumphal procession is not just tiptoeing through tulips. It's about the fact that no matter what hardship comes your way, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. That's what it means to live with an expectation that is in line with the faith that we have in our Jesus. Great preaching, John. This is so good. Our God is good. Our church, our church at the moment is just so, I think, pregnant with that sense of expectation. And God wants us to live like that. He wants us to live. I mean, I'm here in Christchurch tonight. For those of you in Hamilton and Wellington, it's a long weekend. Let's be honest. Cantabrians go away for long weekends. And this place is full with people. I mean, it's just alive. We've had a rose at the front, but we're also going back. It's filling up with people. Jesus is on the move. We're seeing amazing things take place. I mean, man, I was in Wellington this morning. It was just alive. Sense of expectation. In Capity, we baptised 18 people. I mean, in Hamilton, we're experiencing growth. We just purchased this amazing block of land in Wellington. 5,000 square metres, one and a quarter acres. And on two Sundays time on the 10th of November, we're gonna receive an offering and has one church in four different locations. I'm believing we're gonna raise $700,000 that day and be able to buy that land outright. And here's the thing, everything that we do in any campus of Arise empowers everything that we do in every other campus of Arise. So we're all in in Christchurch, we're all in in Wellington, we're all in in Hamilton because one step leads to two steps. I'm so excited about what God is doing here in Christchurch tonight, but I believe God wants to rise in Christchurch, excuse me, to be right at the centre of the new Christchurch. As this phenomenal city is rebuilt out of the ashes to become something great for the glory of our God, I think the church should be at the centre. It should be, shouldn't it? Because the city is called Christ Church. We're going to build this campus in Lower Hunt. We're going to build one here in Christchurch. We're going to move forward. We've got the Michael Fowler Centre and the other venues anchored by the Wellington venues. You know, in, in Wellington signed up for three plus three. Man, we're going to fill that Michael Fowler Centre. We're going to fill the TSB Arena. We're going to move forward in Hamilton and have an amazing facility there. Our church is alive with a sense of expectation. I mean, we're growing at a phenomenal rate, seeing people come to Christ, seeing an explosion of youth, young adults, adults, families. I mean, it's happening everywhere. Life groups are exploding. Our church Sunday attendance is exploding. God is on the move. Take a minute and in every campus, give Him a praise right now. Come on. God is moving. He is moving. And I'm, hey, there's a shout of victory here for many, many reasons in Christchurch because of what God's doing, because of the Canterbury rugby team. But anyway, God is on the move. I'm telling you, He is on the move. And if we're going to see what God wants 
to be accomplished, be accomplished in our church, then we have to choose which expectations we're gonna align our lives with. Against all expectation. Ben just preached an amazing offering message here in Christchurch. Simply saying that for many times in life, we're looking for balance, but God isn't the God of balance. He's the God of order. It's not about work-life balance. It's not about, you know, my God, you know, how much does God get in my money? How does, much does this get in my money? It's not about balance. With God, it's about order. Put Him first, put everything else second. And He said, if you seek first my kingdom, then everything else will be given to you as well. And this is the truth about God's Word, but it, it, it invokes within us a sense, are we gonna live our lives with the right set of expectations or the wrong set of expectations? And we need to be a people that are alive with an expectation that God is going to move. Have you ever thought about Abraham's journey? About the fact that he starts this journey of faith in Genesis 12, which I preached from this morning, with that Word from God. You know, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. I mean, man, if you, you know, when I read it out this morning, as I was even reading it in the service, it's just touching my heart what God is saying to Abraham. I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. All na- I will make your name great. Abraham just believed that. I think for most New Zealanders, we couldn't even receive that. Could we? I mean, let's, let's be a people who are gonna believe that. I'm gonna make you great. Some teenager in this room needs to start the journey of their life, not believing that you're just gonna get knocked down like every tall poppy, but no, God's gonna make your name great. He's gonna bless you. I'm gonna be with you. Those who curse you, I will curse. How great is God's love towards His people? God didn't just promise it to Abraham and then say, well, you know what? When people mess with you, I'm just gonna allow it to happen. No, God says, I will take, give back to you what the locust has stolen. I will restore back to you two, three, four times abundantly. God's gonna bless your life. I'm excited about it. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And then Abraham launches into this journey, actually believing what God said to him. But then years go by and no child. Years of wandering for the promise doesn't come to fruition. I'm sure Abraham got to a point, in fact, we know he got to that point where he could have just packed in the towel and given in to his negative expectations. Genesis 15.1 is the greatest window we get into the darkness of Abraham's soul when the Bible tells us that God comes to Abraham in the dead of the night. And that's the thing, friends. Just because you're walking a journey of faith doesn't mean that every day is gonna be great sunshine and everything good. There are nights for everybody. Cold, dark and windy moments where your soul feels like it's stripped of all. And Abraham experienced this travail of soul. And the Bible tells us that in this dark moment, that the Lord appears to him in Genesis 15. And in verse one, God said to him, do not be afraid. And then the Bible tells us that Abraham says to God, hang on a minute, why should I not be afraid? I have no child. Eliezer of Damascus will inherit my estate. I'm not gonna have anything. I'm in this foreign country. He's basically saying, let's play out the next period of time. And in our lives, there are many moments where it looks like everything's gonna fall over. But it's not God's will that you and I should ever let that become the occupancy of our minds. 
If Jesus is in your life, you are walking in victory. If Jesus is in your life, the grave is defeated. If Jesus is in your life, then blessing is your destiny. Come on, if Jesus is in your life, you were made for victory, purpose for blessing, designed with God's pleasure and mind. God wants to show off through you. Believe it. He's a good God. And the Bible tells us that Abraham says to God, man, it's all gonna go to custard. It's all falling apart. And God says to him, well, get out of your tent. Come on, get out. Get out of that place that you're in. Get out of that funky room. Get out of that place in your mind. Some people live in a cavernous space in their own thought life, live in a cavernous space, even in their own outlook. And God says, come out of that environment. Get to a place of bigness. Get to a large place again. Look for something larger. Climb a mountain, see a sunrise, believe again. Not just in the sunrise, but let the Word of the Lord come to you right where you are. In the tent, it's futile. Then he steps out and he sees the vastness of the night sky. No streetlights to dull it, no haze or smog to, to mute it, but just the vastness of a night that is filled with stars. And God says to him, count those stars. Somebody just needs to do some stargazing tonight needs to look out and realize that if God made all those stars and then said, hang on a minute, you're greater than a star. You're greater than any problem. You're greater than the sunrise. You are God's pinnacle of creation. He made you and you're the best thing He has on offer. He painted that sunrise just for you to have a good morning. You are the good morning. You're putting the good back into morning. Tell somebody near you. See the stars. Look at the sand. Can you count the stars? Can you count the sand? So shall your offspring be. And perhaps one of the most important verses in all the Scriptures, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord. He chose not to just live limited by what he was seeing with his natural eye. He switched his expectations. Whatever catalyst you need, whether it's becoming a church junkie in the middle of some kind of trial moment where you just say, I'm just gonna go to church all the time. Whether it's playing up this podcast over and over again, whether it's just doing whatever you got to do, but get your expectations from seeing your demise to seeing your blessing, from it all coming apart to living, seeing the promise of God. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Somebody's got to believe tonight. Against all hope, Abraham believed. He chose to see what God had for him. He believed for something greater. He was full of expectation for the future. He was confident of the promise of God. And so the Bible tells us that because of his faith, it determined the person that Abraham became. Verse 19 says, without weakening in his faith, you know the word weakening in the Scriptures literally means to be powerless or impotent. That when faith, when faith is not alive, when it's not active, it's just not able to do anything. That's the challenge with a walk of faith is that it is a walk of faith. The way we walk in faith is when we walk with faith. We can't be against all hope, in hope, We've got to fix to one side and stay our lives in that place. 
without weakening, without becoming impotent, without becoming useless or weak or benign in our faith. Abraham chose to believe in the promise of God. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. See, what I'm preaching to you tonight is not to say that you should have a faith that ignores reality. When I'm preaching to you promises, don't think for a moment that I'm one of those people who gets a bill and hides it under the pillow. The Bible tells us that you should face the facts. Listen, if things don't work out in your budget, own up to it. If there's a negative health report, read it. If there are things in your life that should change, change them. If there's challenges in your world, own it. You will never deal with what you cannot, what you will not own. You will always be mastered by what you will not own up to. So it's gotta be a moment where we face the facts. Christianity can be a great hiding place for people who want to ignore reality. They don't tend to hang out in churches like ours, but you've met those Christians. I hope, I hope you haven't, but you probably have. You know, we, you talk about being too heavenly minded that you're no earthly use. I don't know if that's actually possible, but there are some weird Christians. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You try not to have them in your life group. Do you know what I'm saying about? It's like everything's so out there and then you meet their, their world and you, it's like, hey, what? You know? And the reason why is that Christianity is not about ignoring reality. It's not about hiding from the facts. It's not about burying your head under the sand. It's about saying here is what it says in the natural, but this is God's promise to me. Faith faces facts and still believes. It says, hang on a minute, this is what the doctor said, but this is what the promise said. This is what's going on in my present, but this is what God told me would take place. And you're saying, oh, but you don't know what I'm talking about. Hang on a minute. Abraham left everything. His home, his family, his business, his background, lived his life in a tent because God said to him, you're gonna have a lot of kids. And then his wife goes past the age where she can even fall pregnant anymore in her life. And he still believed. So what's going wrong in your life? It doesn't matter how big our challenge is, how ludicrous our situation. God is looking for a group of people who will say, this is the present, this is the facts, but this is my God. This is what He said to me. This is what He promised in my life. I'm facing the facts, but I still believe. Somebody give that God praise in this house this evening. Truth faith is being able to acknowledge where you're at, but be defined by who God is and what the outcome is that He has in store. That's what it means to be a person of faith. In verse 20, it says, He did not waver through unbelief, literally meaning a want of faith. He did not waver through unbelief. The word waver in the Greek is the same word as to doubt, but He was fully persuaded. His mind was completely won over to God. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He had promised. I don't know about you, but I'm finding that in my life as I'm entering into this next season, I'm so fully persuaded that God is gonna move in this nation, more persuaded than I've ever been before. Living more out of that conviction that the promise of God is alive for us, that New Zealand is gonna see a move of God in our nation, that the church is ripe for God to breathe upon it, that God's got something great in store just around the corner. We, we've got to make a decision whether we're going to waver 
through a want of faith and live our lives just being driven and tossed around by circumstance and pressure and what's coming our way. Or we can make a new decision. Fix our expectations on Jesus. Fix our gaze on what He said. Align our lives entirely with the promise of His Word. And then out of that, be fully persuaded people, knowing that God can do it. Have have you ever tried a board sport, wakeboarding, snowboarding, something like that? I personally love all board sports. I mean, I don't really do skateboarding anymore. Why? Because I'm 40 and the pain level is just way too high. It seems like every year, the recovery just takes two or three days longer. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? I love, I love wakeboarding. It's my favorite thing. You know, when you drop off the side of the wake, crystal clear morning, not a breath of wind, catch the rail, dart out to the side, pull up as the boat continues to move forward, get that lull as you turn direction, catch the back rail, start moving towards the wake. All sorts of things start going on in your mind. Because if you're going to pull off the air, get a big wake to wake jump, maybe just float the board back, pull it in, land it. As you're heading towards that wake, the moment you start doubting that you're going to land that baby, it's all over. You might as well just, in fact, what I normally do is I just throw in the rope because it's a lot easier just to dive into the water without the rope. (laughs) They just go this way. You only need that to happen once. You hit that water so hard, you get this thing that happens on the inside of your head where it goes like, and it just kind of, it's like little atomic explosions go off on the inside of your brain as that water literally is like concrete. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, I'm here in Christchurch. A few people have. You have to hit that wake fully persuaded. Jesus didn't call you just to meander in life. You are not on this planet as a believer in Jesus Christ to live an ordinary, safe existence. You are here to do something great for God. And if we, church, are going to do something great for God, then we must be people who live out of our faith, fully persuaded that God has got the power to do what He's promised in our lives. And when we are fully persuaded in our spirit, then we're able to land the thing God's asked us to land. And I reckon in every venue in Arise tonight, God just wants to say no to our fears and yes to our faith. No to our doubts and yes to our confidence in His promises. I believe that what we're doing in the next season of our church is gonna be the most exciting season. I really wanna just take a minute and speak to every venue tonight and say as we receive this offering on the 10th of November, I'm believing that we can rock 700,000. I'm personally holding a faith goal that with with no mortgage at all or with a short mortgage over a couple of years, we can build that lower hut campus and pay it off outright. Why? Because I don't want to spend the next 10 years of our journey moving slowly and incrementally towards something. It is going to be a powerful force for change for what God has called us to do in the Wellington region and in the nation. And the equity is going to empower us to do so much more. But I believe God wants us to move towards it speedily. 700 people giving $1,000, 700 grand done. There are people who are literally just going to decide this is the moment because it's all going into building equity, land, 
It's time to write that check for 50,000, time to write that check for 100,000. If we rock 700,000, it's just going towards phase two, the, the construction of the building that will go on. But I'm believing that we can move so much faster. I really am. This next 10 years, let's believe that we can build a church that's growth rate is literally unprecedented. And that, and that many other churches experience the same. I'm not, not, we're not the frozen chosen. We're not the only ones. But this we can influence. This we are part of. This is not just an empty prayer for revival. This is substance. This is power. This is change for a nation. This is the future of the church in Aotearoa. This is what we are part of. Somebody shout Amen. So come on, let's believe together for something incredible in your own life. I'm believing. I'm believing for a church filled with conquerors, filled with people whose lives are a testimony to God's greatness. You know, last night before the game, and I don't take this personally, Christchurch, but before the game last night, I sent a text to uh, Lima Sipawanga and Jeff Tumang Allen. I said to them, guys, God is with you. You need to know that. You are where He wants you to be for the glory of God. Lima becomes most valuable player in the game. Jeff Tumang Allen just got selected for the All Blacks this afternoon. Come on. But you know, these boys are amazing. They're only young, 21, 23, 20, I mean, young in life and achieving incredible influence with their lives. But you know, you can't, you can't enter into the promise of God if you're doubting whether God's put His hand upon your life. God is with you, church. God's plan is for you. Not just for somebody else, for you. It's time to believe in who God's called us to be. Expect that in whatever arena of life God's called you to, that you can experience His favour, know His power, and expect the greatness of God to be outworked in your life. Come on, in every venue, give God some praise tonight. He's the God of so much more. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Then I'm gonna release you back in Wellington and in Hamilton. But right now, just in every venue, close your eyes. At the end of my prayer, I'm gonna release Wellington and Christchurch back for people to have an opportunity to find Jesus tonight. But here in Wellington, here in Christchurch, this evening and in Wellington and in Hamilton. Let me pray for people who've had a wavering faith. Maybe you're up one day, down the next, believing in God's promise and then doubting whether you can actually even do it. But if you're here this evening and you're saying, man, I need a greater dimension of faith in my life. I need to choose to hope in the promise of God and give no voice to my fears a moment longer. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed in every venue, could you just take one hand and lift it up in the air and let me pray for you. Lots of hands going up here in Christchurch. I'm sure they are in Wellington. I'm sure they are in Hamilton. I want people to lift their hands. While these hands are raised, I want some other people to raise their hands who are saying, John, I know God's called me, but I just need to lift my faith walk to another level. I've just got to, I've just got to position myself stronger in faith. Lift your hand as well. More hands going up. Man, I reckon my hand is gonna go up. And Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank You for our hero of the faith, our father in the faith, Abraham. 
who the Bible says against all expectation and no matter what we are facing, His challenges are just as great or greater. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. And I declare over people in this room that they will become great, that they will become favoured, that God will use them in a great purpose. I speak blessing to every marriage. I speak prosperity to every life. I speak hope to every person, freedom from every addiction, victory on the inside, joy in every soul. Lord, I declare it right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.